Hey everyone, welcome to the Walk It Off Happy Hour Hang. It is Tuesday, February 15th, and uh, Drew and Dave are here to hang with you for happy hour and talk about sports. Let's catch up, dude. Yeah, we're sorry we missed you guys on the airwaves on Super Bowl Sunday. I know, it's the biggest deal for a sports show, but look, we got a party too, and it's Super Bowl Sunday. We're going to do it upright. We take that day off every year so we can just have fun for ourselves. And look, let's be honest here. If you're listening to the sports show and you don't know what happened in the Super Bowl, and that's why we're doing this, right? <laughs> we're catching up now. We have to. We got we to gotta put pen to paper, so to speak, and make sure that this is, this is documented. Because I got to say, we had... Well, man, I don't have to say anything. Like, it's hard to describe. I wanted to, I, I can't say it was an epic Super Bowl, but I can say this. That was a damn good Super Bowl. That was. That was a damn good game. Yeah. It was entertaining. It was fun. We had, we certainly had some issues. And I'll be honest with you guys, especially after th- that epic trip to Kansas City and hanging with the Bengals fans there, I was not biased for this game. I was rooting for Cincinnati. Pretty hard. <laughs> we know. Couldn't be biased for this one. Despite their defeat of the Titans, which still hurts. Didn't want that for sure. But yeah, I was, I was rooting for the Bengals and I loved watching this game. I really liked seeing both teams come into this game with a plan. Yeah. It felt really good. We saw that. We The Bengals went into this game knowing that they weren't going to be able to stop that uh, that defensive line. And it was real fun to notice right away. To everybody watching, everybody at the Super Bowl party, you're saying, look at this. Joe Burrow's getting the ball out as quickly as he possibly can. Every play. He's not yeah. giving them time to get home. And when you see Cincinnati's center, every play, he's turning to help out whoever's blocking Aaron Donald. And it was a great game plan that worked pretty well. And then we saw the Rams make adjustments off of that in the second half. Just we saw some real solid coaching from coaches who are very familiar with each other. Yeah, very familiar with each other. And we need like I, I thought that's something that's something that was really impressive to me was that there was a game plan. This was more of a coaching game, in my opinion, than anything. Uh, and that that was really cool. I didn't feel like there was a major fault. Like I feel like even the the clock management at the end was relatively solid even though there wasn't much going yeah. on there um and which is normally what you see in the super bowl right like when it comes down to a final possession or or you know a two minute drill it's like this this is what you practice all year for and there wasn't a lot of that that was that was falling i thought I, i'm really glad you pointed it out what cincinnati did to defend against the defense in that first part of this game was I thought it was superb, but it just caught up to him in the end, which was something that I think everybody predicting the Super Bowl thought was going to happen eventually anyway. And it probably the biggest variable was that they they held off that defensive line until they couldn't any longer. And it changed the tide of the whole game. Yeah, it's nice to see a team recognize and address before the game starts what's going to be an obvious biggest weakness. Because a lot of times you see these coaches get stubborn and, you know, the the lay fan, the people on the outside, the talking heads on your radio like us who think, oh, man, these are so such obvious items to address. The coach will be like, no, I have faith in my guys. So it was nice to see that the Bengals really noticed this coming into it and had a plan. And it did, for the most part, work until we saw the Rams adjust late in the second half. And then at the end of that game, of course, Aaron Donald just made Aaron Donald plays. Yeah, there's an argument to be made, although not a strong one, that Aaron Donald was the MVP of this game because that is that's what everything hinged on uh, was him being able to get through that defensive line. And I, I don't know if it was a game plan so much as it was just his creativity. I mean, I know it was a game plan. It was. It was. It was. The Rams found a way to break that down, but a lot of it was just Aaron Donald's individuality and the depth at that defensive line. Like Von Miller didn't have a sack, but that creates. Yeah, and that that creates those opportunities for for Aaron Donald. So 
it's pretty incredible. I think we've, it's gotten a lot of screen time. It's gotten a lot of talk tracks about how great that defensive line is for the Rams, but it's great. Like the people that they have there, the, 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 the versatility that they have on that defensive line is, is insane. So obviously Aaron Donald is going to find a way to get a couple sacks. It's surprising that's that more folks didn't, but uh, it's just, it's just bound to happen. And, uh, and it, it paid off when it really needed to, it really changed the tide of the game. Uh, I, I was impressed with Cincinnati holding them off as long as they did though, especially after what we saw the Titans do to them in the playoffs. Yeah, they they knew that, and they did something to address it, even though Joe Burrow got sacked, what, eight times in this game? Almost as many as the Titans did do it. Yeah, yeah, it didn't feel that way, though. It could have been a lot worse. Yeah. And to see him gut it out after he hurt his leg later in the game, Stafford did the same thing, hurting his leg. This was just a really well-played game on both sides, I thought. We didn't see too many big mistakes, you know, Stafford threw two interceptions, but both of them were kind of arguable. One was off the hands of a fourth-string wide receiver, and the other one, maybe Van Jefferson could have put up a little bit more of a fight on that, but, you know, it was a, pretty much a Hail Mary at that point to just throw it up and see what happens. Let your guy make a play. And Jesse Bates, who was someone we've pointed out, has made himself a lot of money going into free agency off of this postseason he's had, made just another great play. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I really thought there would be a lot more hinging on quarterback mistakes in this game. And I don't want to take away from those interceptions that Stafford threw, especially those were, those seemed like they could have and might've changed the game in favor of Cincinnati, but it, it really, these quarterbacks did their jobs and I don't think they did game management jobs. I feel like they did like, pretty superb jobs against really solid defenses. They gave their teams chances. They made plays. Like you said, they gutted it out, which, you know, is something that I have a hard time with in sports in general is this, you know, play through the pain thing, even though I know you have to do it and it's your job, right? Like what else are you striving for than this? But it sucks. You got to put your body on the line to that degree. But I, I liked seeing what they both did it, still, even through that. Like they had these it's really the Super Bowl. It's the Super Bowl. Yeah. Like <laughs> it's it's Waterboy Dan Fouts last game of the season, leave it all on the field uh, mentality. Uh at that point, you have to. You have to. Well, it's it, it literally is the last game of the season. And those guys really did. Like they they played all out, and you could tell that they both had something to prove. In different, talk about different stages in your career, different opportunities. Seeing these quarterbacks there between Joe Burrow and Matt Stafford, and they uh, they both had something to prove, and they both proved it. They're both out there really playing their game, and I thought it was that was a lot of fun. That was a really great storyline from Super Bowl Sunday. And they both could have had just all time plays. I will. Uh... I'll right away mention something that's what burns my biscuits. We haven't been doing that much lately, but I'll give you a what burns my biscuits. In this game, the television broadcast replay crew was terrible. We did not see enough replays of these really important plays. And when we did, we missed context. Like, especially I want to talk about the last play of the game where Aaron Donald came through and got to Joe Burrow. And somehow Burrow threw that ball as Donald has taken him down. We saw the play before that, that unreal play by Donald, where he somehow in between two blockers just reached a big ass paw out there and stopped Pirine cold in his tracks short of the first down marker. Just an unreal play, a show of strength. And then Joe Burrow wrapped up by that same guy, got the ball away. And watching that on TV... I was like, oh, man. That looked like it was close. It looked like it could have been caught. And they showed us the replay of Donald hitting Burrow about three or four times, but they never showed the ball landing again. So I had to get on social media and look around for replays from different angles after that and kept watching that. That ball was at Pirine's feet when it landed. 
Wow. That was so close wow. to a completion. I didn't it catch that. It would have been a first down, would have kept that drive going, was damn near in field goal range for Money Mac. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we were inches away from a spectacular all-time highlight in the Super Bowl from Joe Burrow to keep that drive alive. And, I mean, I, I, I was talking about it with friends who were at the game, too, just saying, how do you not dive for that ball if you're Pirine? How do you not lay out with the Super Bowl on the line on fourth down? How do you not dive when the ball is that close? That's a good point. And it, it blows my mind thinking, you know, as someone who played sports and was never close at all to a moment like that. But in the biggest moment, you got to lay out like that, right? To do whatever you possibly can. But again, if you think about this in the moment, he had to be absolutely shocked in the first place that that ball even came remotely near him. That, that's After a good point. His quarterback, you know, in the grasp, and then it just comes off at this crazy angle that he gets rid of the ball, and somehow, you know, you don't have that much time to sit there and think about it. But yeah, I don't know. It, I just think about how that could have been different, a diving catch, first down, and that game continues. I love that psychology. First off, I didn't catch that one. So good, good call. Like to go back and look at some of those they times. Like I wish it. we would have. Yeah. Like that shows, that shows how important a replay crew is to a game like this. Like you're not your average fan in general, right? Your average fan and below average fan, which is watching the Super Bowl, is going to have much less context about how good. Uh, this game was and or how many pivotal pivotal sorry moments there would have and could have been and and that that's that the at the um at the cause of the replay crew uh it shows just shows how important it is to to tell the story and the narrative of of the game but um you know what else we didn't see on that final play from the replay hmm. crew Jamar Chase had Jalen Ramsey roasted off the line on that play. Did he? Oh, I loved that matchup, though. If Donald didn't get through, yeah. if Aaron Donald didn't get to Joe Burrow on that last play, I mean, that could have been a Bengals touchdown. Talk about another guy who showed up, man. Jamar Chase I, showed up all season and has just consistently raised the bar. That that Joe Burrow-Jamar Chase tandem is something that's set up to be epic for years to come. I love that you brought that up because, you know, our uh, one of our favorite listeners, Christina from Cincinnati, <laughs> rooting for the Bengals this whole time hard, wanted to be a special guest on our Super Bowl talk episode. Sorry, it didn't work out, but wanted to make sure that we brought up. This is Jamar Chase's first season in the NFL. This is Joe Burrow's first full season in the NFL. He was injured last year. That's true. As a rookie. I mean, this is a Bengals team that's going to be a problem in the future. And I was I was impressed, you know, by, by her, by Bengals fans. This was a game you could have been salty over real easily. And I'm sure we'll get to what happened at the end to determine that. But mostly what I heard was, you know, just how great, how thankful, how proud they were of this Bengals team. And how happy they are to have a winner to root for after such a long period in the wilderness. For Bengals fans, there's so much optimism there, and that's a big reason for it, that you look at this great quarterback-wide receiver combination and say, you know, this was our first year together. Yeah. They both have long careers in this league, and if you are the Bengals and you know your biggest weakness, obviously, is the offensive line, you've got time to fix that up and then see what these guys could do with some pass protection. Yeah. No doubt. There's a I, lot of reason to be optimistic. Yeah, and that's one of the perks of being the fans of a perennial loser. I don't mean to turn this in that perspective, but you, you and I have both We've been there. We've all been there. Yeah, for sure. It's it's one of the more beautiful things is like you appreciate every last damn thing that comes through something like this. It's the same thought process that leads you to appreciate just getting to the playoffs and getting a playoff win. Which, frankly, I think Bengals fans would have been appreciative of just taking the Titans out, uh, much less winning their wild card matchup. That either one of those, I think, that would game have against been... the Raiders was their first playoff win in many, many Bengals fans' yeah. lifetimes. Yeah, absolutely, that's true. And 
that 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 was enough to call 30. this a successful season. Yeah, they uh, and, and I think relative to punditry out there, they nobody expected them to go this far. They were they they weren't the, you know the nine and seven Cardinals of 2018 or uh, nine and six. I get no nine. Oh my, I can't even do math now that the number of weeks has changed. But either way, Thanks, like they NFL. they didn't eke in. They uh, they weren't the worst team to get it, but then they and Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase especially have done nothing but continually raise their game all season. This has been a team that has just gotten better as the season has gone. But I think they would have been just as content with winning that one game and being done. What a cool surprise to go on and play in the Super Bowl. This team has got it's an exciting team. I. I I don't know when they'll turn into, and this is something that every Cincinnati fan can only hope for, that they will turn into a hated team at some point or not an underdog because it's, they have the chance to win a championship or two in this time frame. I really think so, the way that they're structured right now. Sky's the limit, and what a great way to, to kind of kick off this generation of Bengals football. Yeah, you were playing with house money. I mean, Chase McPherson's well a rookie as well. The kicker is yeah, now beloved in Cincinnati. I know. You're talking about very young skill positions on this team. And in the meantime, they won their first playoff game in over 30 years. Then they knocked off the number one seed, which you're still mad about. Then they beat the Chiefs and Mahomes on the road in Arrowhead. <laughs> Made it to the Super Bowl. Played one hell of a competitive game against the basically all-star team of the Rams. Yeah, that's a lot to look forward to if you're a Bengals fan right now. It is. It, can we pause on something there, though, real quick that I, I don't think we planned on today, but they, I, I think Joe Burrow made some comment about beating the best team in the AFC, in the AFC championship, uh, in the Kansas whoa, City whoa, Chiefs. Whoa, whoa. I, I know, and I, I you know... I don't know. I guess I don't know what my question is, Drew, but the they did beat the Titans, which were the best team in the AFC, by the way. Just because they took them out a week early <laughs> doesn't mean that they, that, that they weren't. It and was it took that terrible Tannehill interception to do it. I know. I know. And an amazing kick from McPherson. It, it really did. I mean, that was that was a that was a a, a, a barely squeaked by kind of win. They. Uh, I don't know. I felt like the momentum was that that Kansas City was the best team, and you know what? It's sad because I I almost was like, yeah. Then they took out one of the best, you know, the, uh, such a great team in the AFC in the in the Chiefs, and and they did. But I don't think we can look over the fact that they took out the best team in the AFC, which was the Titans the week before. I guess what I wanted to do there was just come to our defense real quickly and say. They didn't peak when they beat the, the Chiefs. For the regular season. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that, if, that crowd at Arrowhead, I'll tell you that. They expected yeah. the Chiefs to win. I, they should have. As did and, the national media. The national media picked the Rams for this game. Yeah, but what a, what a season from Cincinnati. And, yeah, they're going to be a problem going forward. We're not going to overlook them. I know. Like I think a lot of people did this year. Sucks as a Titans fan that we've got another behemoth in the AFC coming in because the Chiefs are going to be there. And, you know, the Ravens are always going to be competitive. Luckily, you know, maybe we're trading the Steelers for the Bengals now. Um, and, you know. And maybe the Patriots for the Bills, who are yeah, the that's favorite true. going into next season, along with that's Kansas true. City. It's a stacked AFC. Yeah. And then don't forget about the Chargers, man. They, they made a charge this year, too. And L.A., is going to be a nutty place uh, for a while. For us to play for a Super Bowl future next year. <laughs> I like that. That's smart. What Along city? With the Titans, we never get their respect. Yeah. But let's they see don't. what happens, man. But yeah, we we had a good Super Bowl. I really think so. I really hate that it came down to officiating being the talk of a great game like this. Agreed. That that kills me too. But I mean, what were they thinking when they called that third down penalty? On Logan Wilson in coverage there. That it was, was horrible. It was a ticky-tack penalty for sure. And this is something we talk about in baseball all the time. You're okay with an umpire strike zone being a little off. 
As long as it's consistent. Consistent. If well the players said. all know, yep. you know, the low pitch is going to be called a strike for both teams. Okay, maybe not happy about it, but it's fair and you understand it. But this game, they let pretty much everything go. I mean, we barely saw a flag. The Bengals were the least penalized team in the NFL this year. It, not like that was an outlier for them. But they were letting this game play, and we barely saw a flag. And then in the biggest situation of the game at that point, to throw on a ticky-tack play, that was kind of surprising. And yes, we know yeah. there were other missed calls earlier in this thing, but that's kind of the point. You know, Ramsey got away the holding the undershirt earlier on, a much more blatant holding penalty. That play uh, right out of halftime where T. Higgins caught the touchdown after grabbing the face mask of Ramsey. Yep. That wasn't called either. You get some stuff on each side there. Maybe it feels fair at the end. But how it feels to me is they were letting these players play. And then once the two-minute warning hit, we saw flag after flag after flag. Yep. Especially that one, the situation that would have set up a fourth end the game for the Rams. Yeah, it was uh, honestly, I thought it was a travesty it, because I loved it just from a sports fan, not, not like a conspiracy theorist perspective, but from a sports fan perspective, I loved the way this game was called. It wasn't. There were no calls and I loved it. And, and, and they, they didn't let many egregious things happen. There were a couple that were obvious, but even those I don't think were egregious, like game changing. It was on the edge, and I, I just loved the way that it was called, and I thought it was a horrible moment to choose to start calling them that way. Now, if I put my conspiracy theorist hat on, it did feel like they decided to call it when they could have saved the game for the Rams, and I, d- I never believed those In things. Los Angeles. Yeah, I never believed those things are right fully there, the but lawsuit. it was uh, true. It was one of the biggest, like, in terms of fandoms and – like markets and expectations. One of the biggest lopsided Super Bowls I've seen having Cincinnati in there out of almost nowhere with admittedly some big stars and some firepower behind them to go play in LA, you know, versus LA with the team that was, you know, crowned before the season even started getting Matt Stafford in there and OBJ mid season that, it felt a little bit that way, but I'm just going to go from the fans perspective and say it was a shitty time to start calling penalties. You had a great game going and I couldn't have said it better than you did. Call it consistently or, or if you're going to stop calling it consistently, pick a better time to start changing the way that you're evaluating the game. We hear it all the time. If you're going to throw a flag in a situation like that, that changes the game, we see it in basketball if you're yeah. going to blow the whistle on a situation that might decide the game, it had better be real damn obvious. Yep. And to call it on that play was really shocking. And yeah, like you said, it opens you up to all these conspiracy theories, especially with the NFL desperate to get the LA market kickstarted to reward Stan Kroenke for the lawsuits he had to endure and all the money he poured into getting that stadium built. There, there's a lot of things you can just kind of side eye a little bit. But I hate that any of that takes away from what was a really well-played game. Yeah. And, I mean, look, we all knew Cooper Cup was going to beat Eli Apple a bunch of times during this game. (laughs) I think everybody knew that going into it. And that it happened on the final drive, especially. I mean, there was a lot that went into that. We talked about that almost play by Joe Burrow that would have been an absolutely legendary play. If, if that pass had been complete on fourth down in their desperation attempt to keep this game alive. But can we talk again for a second? Another moment of this game that you had to kind of go on social media and look around for afterwards because the replay crew never showed it to you during the actual game. But on that drive, when we saw that, what, 22-yard slant completion to Cup mm-hmm. that kept that drive going for the Rams, their biggest play on it, that pass by Matt Stafford was unbelievable. I mean, we we reposted it on our accounts on at Walk It Off Radio on social media, but you can get out there and look at some different views and different angles and ways they broke this down. 
But to watch that play unfold in slow motion, to watch Matt Stafford stare down a receiver making a curl pattern while Cup ran a slant behind him, Stafford's eyes constantly on the receiver who stopped on that curl, cocks the arm back to throw, and we see the Bengal safety move towards that. At the same time, he throws the ball, no look, to the other side of that safety, who all of a sudden has to stop his momentum and start going the other way since he broke towards the receiver after it was staring down. And that ball hits Cup in stride right behind that safety. That's an unbelievable high-level pass right there. And we didn't hear about that during the game broadcast, but you can check those highlights out, and I would highly recommend it. It's such a great a great reason when you see that reasoning behind the Rams picking up Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford makes some mistakes. <laughs> he threw interceptions. He threw a lot of interceptions this season. He threw two in the Super Bowl. But Jared Goff's not making that pass. In that situation, you have a quarterback with absolute high-level traits yep. making an unbelievable pass to keep this game-winning drive alive in the Super Bowl. And that's why the Rams gave up what they did to get Matt Stafford on that team because he can make that pass in that situation. I mean, that was a Patrick Mahomes pass. You don't yeah, see that, too many people do that. That's a great, that's a, that's a great example. I'm glad, I'm glad you pulled out something so specific about what he can do. Cause I've admired his career from the get go because he's always gotten better and better about reading situations, uh, you know, leading the defense and, uh, and, you know, just getting creative with what he does. He's been that way for a long time. In addition to throwing, I don't know, for 4,000 yards, what, 10 seasons, nine or 10 times, one 5,000-yard season. This guy is not just a numbers guy. The, uh, the, the interceptions certainly are a thing, and but they're in the same level of, I don't know, I, I don't remember Brett Favre's career stats, but I remember talking about, the fact that he would risk it for the biscuit and he would get those, <laughs> you know, he would throw those interceptions, but that's because he was willing to live on the edge a little bit. And I think Matt Stafford has that gunslinger mentality that maybe we're seeing Patrick Mahomes navigate to just because he's regressing to the mean a little bit now that his, his interceptions ticked up a little bit this season because he he lives on the edge Still too. Still not sure what that running backwards plays were at the end of that AFC championship. No doubt. And you know, I, I don't think that's because he's getting worse. I think that's because he enjoyed the odds in his favor a little bit being with on the team that he has. And I think you almost have the opposite with Matt Stafford, where the odds have never been in his favor. He's had been lucky enough to play with Calvin Johnson, which is one of the biggest misses in the history of the NFL to have those two guys playing together and only have numbers and nothing else. The... But now you're seeing him kind of balance out in the in in the similar way, and it's been cool to see because he has been one of my favorite players in the NFL for a long time. He is a great quarterback, and you know, you think he kind of put the nail in a coffin of a of a of a of a of a, of a Hall of Fame career at this point. I, I think winning a Super Bowl, and that's. That's really exciting, and it's a it's a very unique redemption story in sports. You don't see that kind of thing happen in this way to where somebody puts together such a high-profile career but toils for so long and actually gets the opportunity to become you know, a legend among all the greats. That was a, definitely a fun narrative from this Super Bowl. Hey, Gary Payton had to go to, what, his 16th, 18th year through – a, cha a ring chase attempt at Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah. Where he finally got Malone. his ring with Miami. Yeah. So it, it happens. <laughs> it, it does, but not many people get to ring chase and actually get it that far in. You know, I think of you. you mentioned your major part of it. Instead yeah. Of, you know, at the end of your career, just kind of being along for the ride. True. And he has the opportunity now to still do great things. I mean, he's thirty-four years old, I think. He's got and he's got talent around him in a great city and a great, uh, great setup. It's it's kind of scary what he could do and I don't know how far off he is, but maybe he's a legit, legitimate striking distance with of 
you know, taken down some major passing records as he hits 38, 39, or 40, if he can stay healthy enough to do that. So did you feel like the Rams would still have a chance in this game after those big turning points kind of all went against them when we talk about our momentum shifts? Yeah. Odell Beckham's injury was a big Huge. Look, I'm going to go on record here. I'm going to apologize to Odell Beckham. Again, I, I think a lot of this blame falls to the replay crew of this game, but I didn't think Odell was really hurt badly. I thought he was staying down for an extra beat because <laughs> he just dropped the pass, and that's kind of what Odell Beckham does. Just stay down a couple extra beats after dropping a pass, and maybe, you know, this being his free agency year, he might have to take a little bit of time off, be extra careful about this thing, really nurse it. But no, it, we never got the big replay of that play that saw what happened to his leg. And I hate that I didn't give him the benefit of the doubt there. <laughs> You're it such a seems skeptic. Like it might be a serious injury for Odell Beckham, and that's rough. And we saw this game change pretty heavily when he left it. That did feel like a turning point. Did. And then again, of course, right out of halftime, that huge play, the touchdown to T. Higgins on that first play. I mean, <laughs> you go back to my skepticism there. I I'm on record as calling Jalen Ramsey the most overrated player in the NFL. I think every big game you watch Jalen Ramsey and he gets burnt a couple of times. He's not that Darrell Rivas level where teams aren't throwing to him or prime Richard Sherman, you know, where that side of the field that he's on is just off limits for passes. He gets beat often, <laughs> it yeah. seems like. Yeah, he's and, not locked down. Yeah. He's pesky, but he's not a lockdown guy at all. He's good, but I don't think he's as good as he thinks he is, or we give him the credit. So it's a little bit in my head already that I'm not really a Jalen Ramsey fan on this point. But then to see that play, to see T. Higgins kind of rake across the face mask there, that should have been a penalty. Yep, He did get enough of that face mask for it to be called, 100%. But I don't think Ramsey did himself any favors by with the dive and barrel roll after it happened. Yeah. I mean, he was obviously hunting the flag after that to try to make it as obvious as possible for the refs. And I think that hurt him on that call in a game where they were not throwing flags for yeah. most of this game. To see someone, you know, so obviously literally take a dive for the flag after a penalty was called, done it to him, and it should have been called. I think that hurt him, and it kind of hurt his sympathy points with viewers like myself, too. Yeah. Like, man, you could have you could have at least tried to not let that pass go into the end zone after the penalty was, ha was done to you. <laughs> yeah. Instead of rolling out onto the sidelines like that. Agreed. And, he did, and I think part of that also is that he just didn't have great position anyway. Like, certainly the, the, the face mask was part of it inter and definitely a penalty. But I mean, when you look at it in slow-mo, it almost looks like the face mask was something that took him off, like threw him in that direction, but it wasn't like, I think that's, I think it's pretty clear that his, he was where he was and was going where he was going. The face mask didn't disrupt it so much. It was just bad position. Uh, and I don't think it would have made a difference. I think he would have been, better off certainly in the eyes of well certainly on the field and probably in the eyes of fans if he'd have just stuck through that entire play you're right but we also know how important in football and we talk about it in basketball and of course it's super prevalent in in uh, soccer already but like you got to sell those things and this was an anomaly of a game where nothing was working which is why it pisses me off so much that they made those calls that they did late in the in the fourth quarter because they they were just not hampering this game at all and i loved it it made it it made it more fun to see this happen and uh to see the plays not interfered with by the refs the way that they are in a normal game uh but it, it was it was being called well i thought and that you're right that that the play definitely stood out we saw that and we saw the rams very next play the pass goes out off the hands of Skronik, who was only in the game because of Beckham's injury, for an interception for the Bengals. 
And all of a sudden, this momentum has totally swung in this game. Yep. Cincinnati was down three going into the half, so that gave them the lead. Then they get the ball back right away. I mean, you, you're thinking in the back of your head that Kansas City game where they erased a big deficit in the second half. And this game looks like it's going Cincinnati's way. Both defenses really stepped up at this point. I mean, we didn't see much offense in the second half after that play. And it was, again, really impressive. Uh, you, you saw Cooper Cup really stand up on that last drive where it's a big players make big plays type of thing. And we saw Jamar Chase make some plays, too. That one where Ramsey jumped the pass and let him behind him yep. on the Bengals' last drive that ended up being a first down. There were a lot of plays there that could have been big. But, again, credit to the defenses, credit to the Rams for making adjustments there by mm. kind of more disguising the way they rushed so that help on Donald wasn't so readily available. And they started getting home on Burrow a lot more in that second second half taking advantage of the the mismatches that we all thought would be there going into this game yeah they really did they stood up when it looked like the Bengals could have taken all the momentum and put this game away he gave himself a chance there at the end and yep you know for for better or for worse with the referee's help or not they won the game they made the plays and they did make the plays, and you can't take that away from them. And it, like we talked about the get-go, it was a coach, a good coaching matchup too. Sean McVay did a really good job of adjusting and playing to their strengths, which a lot of the narrative throughout the first part of the game and most of the game was they're not playing to their strengths. Odell Beckham has been coming on as a strength, but he hasn't been you know, in that category. You know, Their run game has been pretty strong, and it wasn't this, this season, this game. You know they weren't getting the neither the team defense. had any run game this game. That's true. Joe Mixon had a had had some stuff come on towards the end, and that great pass was awesome. But overall, no, yeah. uh, it was it was definitely a pass heavy game, and it wasn't high flying in general, which has kind of made it a, a borderline boring game for a competitive game. But I, I I think it was definitely a strong narrative going into the game was that Sean McVay was looking for redemption coming back in after losing in an embarrassing way to the Patriots after having one of the best offenses in the league the last time he was in the Super Bowl and only putting up three points. But you have to believe that that was such a big part of it. Like Sean McVay was so much more prepared than the coaching on the other side because he's been there and he knew what to do and he's learned so much over these last few years that you have to give him so much credit for how this team adapted. And I loved seeing that. I really did. I loved seeing how he handled the Odell Beckham injury, how he came out and, and made ODB part of the, uh, uh, or OBJ. Sorry. I always want to say that he's, he's not an old dirty <laughs> bastard, but, uh, uh, he had the first touchdown of the game. Your first yeah. touchdown score of the Super Bowl was Odell and, Beckham. And what a great way to keep the other team, to keep the Bengals defense on their toes when you know Cooper Cup's going to be such a big part of it. I actually didn't agree with Chris Collingsworth throughout this saying, oh, you got to get Cooper Cup more involved. Early on, I didn't think they needed to force that, but they did when they needed to, and that was at the end of the game, and it worked. Uh, it, was a, it was a really great game plan, I really thought, from Sean McVay from both sides. Losing but Beckham was a big change in this game, too. It was. Huge. Because, yeah, the, that Bengals' focus, obviously, was on Cup, And to have... You know, Beckham could have potentially had a huge game in the Super Bowl if he had finished it out. Yep. The same way T. Higgins had a huge game on the other side with all that Los Angeles focus on Jamar Chase. We we have a lot of what-ifs coming out of the Super Bowl, but I, I don't want to focus on any of that because when it comes down to it, we really did get to watch a good game. Yeah. And I don't know about you, man, but we had a few people over, a little Super Bowl party going on. It was nice yeah. to have some semblance of normalcy again. That whole thing, you know, the people in the crowd there and you know, getting some wings, getting some dips, all sorts of good stuff. I don't know about you. We didn't get your Super Bowl recipes this year. I'm sorry. I know we, we wanted to get some of that out there. But it was fun. Uh, what you drinking right now? Let's get into it a little bit. Let's have some fun with this. That's right. We're happy hour hanging, dude. Uh, 
Well, I'm I'm kind of bottom barrel now, but uh, so I'll I'll take a step back first and tell you why I'm wearing an apron, right? I'm I'm wearing my Grizz apron because the Grizz are the bomb. First off, like one of the most exciting teams in in all of sports right now, and I'm I'm wearing this because I'm ma- I'm making kind of a belated uh, Valentine's dinner here at uh, at Mikasa uh, Casa Sharp uh, and. <laughs> I am, uh, well, it, it it's more than just sharp, actually, I should say right now. But uh, anyway, um, I just want to do justice You're not for all the residents. Yourself. That's exactly right. <laughs> so, so I've got like a a a a, a bolognese sauce cooking up. You know, I got all that simmering on the on the pot or on the on the stove for a while. But because of that, I'm going to be drinking a little bit of nice red wine tonight, Drew. I'm going to make it a nice, fancy-looking little dinner at the... And, hey, and so go wild, buddy. So I'm not starting with a beer. Usually I'm doing a beer, but I like on a when I'm having a nice dinner to start with a cocktail. So I just had a simple vodka with a lemon twist, and it was a nice way to uh, to get the get the night going. Um, no beers tonight, man. No beers. Yeah, get it started off. Get yeah. it started up. Keep it light. <laughs> Keep it light. Yeah. It's 80 degrees here in Phoenix. It's uh, it's it's warm enough for that. <laughs> yeah. What, uh, I like that. What, I like that. Well, what are you imbibing? I've got a little opposite there. Going with what's become a local Nashville beer from Tailgate Brewery. Uh, I know I was getting made fun of a little bit for drinking these during the Super Bowl. Because boy, does that look like a Nickelodeon beer, doesn't it? That's just that's just that's beard for kids. That's perfect. <laughs> get it, get them hooked early, man, as they say. Yeah, this is the PB and J sour snack, and I still blame you for getting me onto sours. Still enjoying those beers, and Tailgate has a wide variety of all sorts of bizarrely flavored sours right now. And this one is PB and J sour. I love it. They do. I can't. I'm Very always unique. amazed at how many flavors and brew, beers they churn through at at Tailgate. And I haven't had a bad one there. Honestly, I had some low expectations at Tailgate when they first came into town, un, totally unfairly, and well, they've exceeded it. They have long They have come well. a long way. Well, That's true. I was also bit of a early on but now they've got a big rotating wide variety and yeah they've earned that little bit of trust that's even as somebody who's in the past made the arguments i want my beers to be beer flavored (laughs) now i'll i'll try pretty much anything you know why not give me a shot of something and i've liked most of the ones i tried even something as out there as a pb and j sour snack in the uh, Nickelodeon can. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Don't give it to your kids, folks. We got 16 ounces here in this thing, too. Yeah. Only give it to them in 12-ounce portions. Everybody knows that. <laughs> While you watch the Nickelodeon broadcast of playoff football. Absolutely. Enter the slime zone. <laughs> so while we're talking football snacks, you know, you've, you've emphasized dips. Well, we like it. You, Big shout out, man. Super Bowl yeah. party wouldn't be the same without beers and wings. Heck yeah. So you've said wings. You've said dips. Are, are dips the most, the best Super Bowl snack? Is that, like, here's what I think. And I'm sorry to preface your question. I'm going to let you mull on it for a second. Because I'm going to tell you that I love all kinds of Super Bowl snacks. I love pizza and wings. I love nachos. Arguably a dip. Uh, but I I think that you could have an entire Super Bowl with only chips and dips. Let's just even simplify it down to that, uh, and be okay. And so I think I think dips are the most essential and versatile Super Bowl snack. What do you think? You know, I think I'm on board with this. I was going to say that got a finger foods that's the most important to me nobody wants to sit there with a fork during the super bowl yeah that's you got to have stuff to grab yeah and dips are essential for this especially with covid worries still out there 
True. I had a bunch of uh, mini solo cups out there. If anyone wanted their own individual dip cups to double dip to their heart's content. Genius. Genius. <laughs> so let's do that for a bunch of different dips out there. You know, we had spinach artichoke dips and Rotel dip and your sour cream chip dip. All the classics there. Our resident Cincinnati fan made a Skyline dip, a Skyline chili dip. Ooh, that sounds fancy. I will never be a Skyline chili defender. <laughs> and dip form, pretty damn tasty. I know uh, probably more more uh, popular in Cincinnati than it was at a party here, but hey. And we'll get some Rheingeist beers in there. You know, cool. Some local Cincinnati brews. I always enjoy when people go the extra mile to line it up with your local teams. So appreciate that. But yeah, man, I'm with you. Give the dips. I'll always do pigs and blankets. That's a go-to for me. Yeah, yeah, I agree. A, a perfect finger pigs food. And blankets. Yep. yep. <laughs> some spicy mustard or some horseradish mustard. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. That's the stuff. That is. That is. That's a win. I forget. I, I think that's essential also. And I wish I'd have thought about that for my snack this time. We did... We did jalapeno poppers, so pretty pretty tasty. But uh, uh, but that's it. That's it. It was a pretty pretty mellow Super Bowl over on, over on uh, on my end. But I did spend the morning at the Phoenix Open, which is why it uh, <laughs> it wound up being a little chill for me. I was I was definitely worn out after that. We saw some videos of that one too. I'm surprised you were on your feet for the game, dude. And you know, I showed up early, you and bro? we were in uh, what's that? Were you a polo bro? No, I, I actually the entire crowd at the videos we saw. <laughs> I intentionally didn't wear a polo, and man, I was on the bus from the from the parking lot over to the uh, to the thing, and there was a guy in front of me who appended and uh, prefixed. What is it? What do you what do you do before a sentence? <laughs> Either way, he uh, everything was bro. It was like bro, we did this, and it was so much fun, bro. And I. F- I feel bad making fun of people like that because I talk like that sometimes too. I'm a, I'm a dude. I dude. I dude all the time. But it was annoying. The stereotype shoves itself right in your face. Oh, dude! It was just bro, bro, bro. And uh, so anyway, uh, I did do that and uh, got us some breakfast burritos and they had vegan chicken sandwiches there. Man, life was good at the at the at the at the golf uh, the golf course TPC Scottsdale. That looked like that looked like quite the shit show, to be honest. In some of those videos we saw, especially that hole in one at the 16th, yeah, with the beer cans raining down. Yep, wow. it is that, a total. That's shit not where show. you were stood up, huh? No, no, no. I up? was I was posted up on 18, which was uh, kind of nice. We were in a, a much more relaxed area okay, right off the wall. The winners. There. Yep, yep. But of course, you know, only there for the first part of the day, so we only got to see a few, few. Uh, uh, groups come through, but uh, got to see Jordan Spieth, which was kind of fun, even though he's been a turd recently. And uh, <laughs> it was, it was a, you know, you want to talk about epic sports days. Doesn't get much better than going to the golf tournament, coming home and watching the Super Bowl. Man, that sounds like a day, buddy. Life is good. Uh, good job, good job. And then you get to go straight into Valentine's Day this year. Heck yeah, so, yeah. Now you know, I... we come off probably. Probably the least sexy holiday there is, right? I don't think any lady's like, oh, you know what gets me going is my man on Super Bowl Sunday. When he's yeah. covered in wing sauce and shouting at the TV. Yeah, when he's he's, he's resting, his, <laughs> resting his dip cup on his belly. And not like a spit dip cup, but sometimes that's true also. Not for me, but for others. God damn, we love Super Bowl Sunday. <laughs> I know. It is my natural state. So clearly my natural state is not well, you got to roll into that for Valentine's Day. So, hey. <laughs> this, is a, this is a year, all right? Whew. And you're doing an extra day here. So congratulations. Thank and you. And good luck. Thank you. And, of course, we are rolling out our ability for you to show some love to our radio station, WXNA, here this week as well. With our first ever membership drive. Love it. You can jump in right now and be one of the first 500 to be on board with WXNA memberships. And 
I'm going to be honest with you. It's pretty sweet. We got all the firework themed stuff going on there to match up with our logo, obviously. DX. I love it. I brought out this old Team WXNA shirt from our uh, our games when we used to play against other institutions around town on field days. But now it's not just for us as the DJs. It's available for all of our listeners to be part of Team WXNA, to be members, to head on over to WXNAFM.org and check out those membership tiers, all the perks you can get. And let's be honest, do you still want to support Spotify or do you want to give your money to an incredible local institution that really appreciates every single one of its members? I mean, well said. look, we, we sign up for so much goofy stuff nowadays. <laughs> I'll, I'm subscribed to so many things I don't even remember nowadays, but something like WXNA, that every member is so special, and you can be part of the first 500 on the ground floor of us opening up our membership roles right now. It's really an exciting time. So if that interests you in any way, if you like what we're doing here, getting to be on your radio every Sunday night with the most unique sports talk in town, with sports talk with your buddies instead of barroom banter yells at you <laughs> and yeah it tries to make you think that oh i'm gonna call those idiots nah i mean you can think that about us too yeah that's fair we don't mind you can but... we've been called idiots we've been called worse but yes <laughs> we're here because we love sports and we're not trying to hot take you we're not trying to get you to you know obviously we're so shit at social media we're not trying to make you our followers or our pat our numbers out or anything we just want to talk sports with our bros that's right it's a great time (laughs) it's what it's what we do best we're certainly practiced at it we've been doing this for almost five years are we almost at five years Almost five years hot damn yeah and we've we're yeah and we have both individually throughout nashville been involved in other projects around town before this and put in our dues and you know done so much this is just Really what we love to do. And we got big plans for the future for more stuff for you guys, for everybody out there who is, you know, we've had fun playing fantasy football against or going to meetups and watching games or seeing in the crowd out at live games. That's why we do it. Um, Yep, we're proud of it. Thank every one of you. And it's a lot of fun. And WXNA lets us do that. So we couldn't recommend higher if you want to hop on that membership train right now. But let's, uh, I just thought that was a good time to mention that. It was. I think that was perfect. Our love and starting that thing up on Valentine's Day this year, this big push this week for our first 500 listeners. So we're going to, you know, hope you guys get in on that and can be part of something real special. But I also wanted to make sure we get into some talk about what you mentioned earlier. One of our local teams, the Memphis Grizzlies, the closest NBA team to Nashville. Our hometown team, as it is, just kicking ass and taking names right now. This week has been another show-off period. Right now we've got you know, John Morant starting the All-Star game and just coming out with incredible quotes every post-game interview. This is a fun, fun, fun team right now. Just as beyond. Much as we feel like we've said that over the years, to see them just tearing it up at the top of the Western Conference right now and slicing and dicing all challengers has been a blast. Beyond what we could have ever expected. Like, we could not have predicted this. And, like, performance-wise, talent-wise, personality-wise, just so so freaking cool, man. And what's, what's fun is, like, this team is not coming out in a dud year you know they've got the suns are on a tear the 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 warriors are on a tear they've been consistently incredible the eastern conference doesn't have anybody standing out that much but they're all good like all those teams again at the top are not middling they're solid contender teams and then the grizz come out and are doing this at a level matching all of them they've had the best record in the nba since in 2022 uh, and I think since like mid December, something like that, twenty two and four or something, it's it's stupid, uh, Drew. It's just stupid what they're doing, and and I love it. Like I can't stupid think of fun. a stupid fun. I can't think of a group of guys or a city 
or a region that deserves it more. It's an overlooked basketball mecca. And it's it's an area that, you know, is adjacent to Sportstown USA in Nashville, Tennessee, which we always talk about. I mean, really, it's a, it's a major sports city where it, this is appreciated and should be something that catches fire more than even grit and grind did because that was a different era of sports in both of those cities and and, and around here. Um, this should change the game. And I, I love it. It's just one of the coolest things I've seen in sports that I love in a long time. Yeah, it's fun for the Grizz right now. I think uh, we got you, Drew. I think we're losing some audio, but it's going to be fun to see Ja. What would Ja do? What will Ja do in the in the All Star game? That is, talk about the ultimate showcase of a talent like that. Totally deserving to be in the starting lineup. And and we see Desmond Bain in the three point contest again. Uh, totally deserving. One of the best totally shooters deserving. in the league this year. Getting to watch this Memphis team right now is just a privilege. And it's not too far away from grit and grind. True. I know this this flash, this show, but just think about the grit that we saw with John Morant and that spectacular quote about, you know, we coming straight up the chimney, we want all the smoke. Now that they're at the top of the league and people are gunning for them. And then you see the next game comes out there and he proves that he can walk the walk as well when Marcus Morris with that big-time flagrant foul that got thrown out of the game, pulling Ja out of the air like that, hitting him in the face, he just bounced right back up and refused to get into any war of words, just said, I'm good. He's He didn't he, hurt me. Nope. Let's go. Let's play Resilient ball. and, you know, not this uh, – not a Jalen Ramsey type, let's say, you know? like it, When your it's small, got, flashy leader gets knocked yeah. down like that – and bounces right back up and says, right, bring, bring it on. on. Just give me all the smoke. Let's go. I want yep. it. It says something. And it's so yep. Memphis basketball. Yep. And yeah, we just couldn't be more excited with what this team's doing right now. And I'm stoked for All-Star Weekend. Dude, it, I, I can't wait. And I'm stoked for visiting Nashville, Tennessee and being at WXNA's uh, studio with you to talk about all of those things. Talk about John in the in the in the All Star game, and to talk about what's going on with the Predators, and talk about uh, MLS starting up, which is all happening. We're all on the brink of all those things, and we get to kick it off, uh, you know, in Nashville with a Nashville Predators outdoor hockey game. Man, hell yeah! Bring it all back here, buddy. We're gonna be there at Nissan Stadium to watch some hockey, and that's going to be an event. You know how Nashville puts on a show. I can't wait for this. You know, the Preds have, I don't really want to say overachieved because we, we believed in the competitiveness of the competitive rebuild, but the Preds are there in the playoff picture. We had a fun all-star weekend with Roman Yossi and UC Saros showing out. And now we get them coming back that loss yesterday and the, you know, to restart the season was a little tough. It was, but we still got hopes for this Preds team. And we've got this great showcase event coming up in just a couple weeks now where you'll be back in town. We'll have a crew out there for it. And yeah, I absolutely can't wait for one of the most exciting weeks in Preds hockey, which is really saying something given how much we talk about their multiple playoff runs, the Stanley Cup run, the All-Star weekend that was held here. But we've got the Pecorine retirement game, Jersey retirement ceremony game followed by the outdoor game at Nissan Stadium. And, man, it's going to be an absolute blast. It's going to be a scene here in Nashville. As it should Smashville. be. Smashville, thank you. Yeah, as it should be. It's uh, still one of the coolest scenes around. And all, all that we're seeing are the, you know, the, the, the rising tides and all the boats floating around what the Predators did. And, uh, and it, it's just – it doesn't take away from how exciting that team is. It just means that – We've got teams that are all playoff bound in the Titans and the Nash SC and the Grizz all around us. And you can't ask for a better time to be a Nashville uh, and Middle Tennessee 
and West Tennessee and Tennessee <laughs> in general sports fan. Uh, let's it, go, it's baby. Great. Let's go. Heck yeah, man. Not to per- mention the Olympics are going on right now. Oh, yeah. Those things. That's right. <laughs> those snuck up on me. And before we get out of here, I did want to highlight just one major story there. there. There's been a few big stories already, and I'm sure we'll get into this as we have time on the show on WXNA on Sunday nights. We've got the inevitable, it seems like, USA versus Canada gold medal matchup for the Women's Hockey Championship. Yep. We're tilting towards that direction for the men's hockey game, despite no NHLers in it and getting interesting again. There's still a little ways to go there. We've saw some controversy, obviously, in figure skating and in snowboarding, although we've also seen some unbelievable historic moves in both of those as well. But the story I wanted to point out for sure before we left here is Aaron Jackson winning gold at the 500-meter speed skating because that is just such a beautiful sports story there. With her having a bad race in qualifying – finishing out of the qualifying for the Olympics and her teammate, Brittany Bowe, who actually won that race saying, I'm going to give up my spot because Aaron Jackson's our best hope for a medal. You know, she's done this. She deserves this spot. That is cool. And I want her to be there representing the United States. And Bo ended up actually in a beautifully karmic moment, getting to go to the Olympics as well for that same race in a substitute spot. So we got to see Aaron Jackson, who might not have qualified, well, didn't qualify, but might not have been in this race. And then she goes and she does win gold in that How cool is that? speed skating race. Uh, her teammate, Brittany Bo, gets to be there and so excited for her. I mean, the other two American skaters, Bo and, uh, sorry, I forget her name, but <laughs> the other qualifying skater, finished far out of medal position. So, you know, letting Aaron Jackson be there, being the first black woman to win a gold medal in speed skating, and just to have it in a situation like that, you know, it, it really shows that even in this, what's been a difficult Olympic so far, far to root for, you know, with between COVID and China and Russian doping scandals again. Mm-hmm. That's just a beautiful story to me of what the Olympic spirit really is and seeing someone like Jackson, who is already such an amazing story. Yeah. Being in the Olympics four years ago after picking up the sport one year ago and now five years into strapping on speed skates, bringing home the gold medal with a chance for more is just absolutely phenomenal story. It is what the Olympic spirit is. I mean... I wish I had more to add to that, Drew, but like I couldn't, you said it so beautifully. Like what a great narrative about amidst everything that's going on there. And even outside of this, when we talk about how, you know, one, the, the Olympics are a global unifier, or at least they try to be, they're a global separator sometimes too, because it brings all this controversy to the forefront in, 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 in a way also. But there's always these stories. And these are the things that, that it exists for. These are the reasons we watch it. These are the things we talk about for years to come and, you know, that are written in lore. And I don't want to say it's an average Joe that gets the chance to do that. But what I love about, because she's not average, she can do an incredible thing. But I love that the Olympics dig deep into the, you know, the citizenship and the diaspora that is in each country and allows these folks that aren't the LeBron Jameses and aren't, you know, the, the, the Patrick Mahomeses or the Matt Staffords or the Odell Beckhams to get that time to have their sports story and be written in the book and be written in the lore and be a legend. And that's a great example of it. It's just, it's just too freaking cool. It's so much fun. And I, I appreciate that you highlighted that because those are the things we need to find amidst these uh, these Winter Olympics. Yeah, and it's just fun, man, watching these sports that you might not, even us, you know, your your radio sports hosts might not know much about. True, I'll be honest with you, watching the uh, watching the ice dancing finals the other night, I couldn't tell you a damn thing about ice dancing. I'm not even sure. 100% on what the difference is between it and regular pairs figure skating besides there's less crazy jumps and you do lifts. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. 
still watching those finals, I could tell right away that that French team that ended up winning gold was just head and shoulders above with a spectacular performance. Yeah. Now, you don't even need to know the sport you're watching sometimes to recognize greatness when you see it. <laughs> true. And it's very cool that the Olympics gives us so many chances to do that. True, true. Yep. And you learn a little bit about a sport, too. You know, you, you come around a little bit to understanding it and appreciating it and everything those folks have put into it. It's it's really special. What a cool week in sports, man. I'm so glad we got to recap it together. Hell yeah, man. It's always great to talk to you, to see you, buddy. It'll be great to have you back in the studio in person again later this month for a big week in Nashville sports. Cannot wait. Yeah. Happy Super Bowl Sunday to everybody. Hit up WXNAFM.org. Check in on membership. You can give us a follow or shout us out anytime on your social media at Walk It Off Radio. And as always, Sunday nights, WXNA. Cheers, buddy. Enjoy that dinner. Absolutely. Appreciate you, brother.